Welcome back to another week of Backlash Podcast. We appreciate you all tuning in and listening every week, especially, you know, we're turning into the one-year anniversary. Now we've officially made it one year. We were, last episode we talked about it a little bit, but we hadn't made it a year, so officially we did. Nobody canceled us or got rid of us, thank God. And um, so that's what we're that's what we're up to. For anybody that cares, I'm Jeff with Team Rhino Outdoors. If you want to check out the company that I'm in charge of, check out TeamRhinoOutdoors.com. For anybody that doesn't know, we're a retailer in the musky world, and we carry, I would say, pretty much every major manufacturer and a bunch of the little tiny guys. We typically specialize in custom-colored lures, but we also carry the stock colors for people that are into that kind of thing. Some people want to, they've been throwing black and nickel cowgirls or showgirls for their entire life. And they wanted to get another one. You can do that from us. Our co-hosts today are Brad and Carrie Hoppy with Musky Mayhem Tackle. And if you want to check out everything that they have to offer, check out muskymayhemtackle.com. So Brad and Carrie, it's uh, Tuesday after Memorial Day. We got to kind of do this one on the fly since I was unprepared for getting guests and whatever. So we're just going to kind of wing it. But for the brief minute, why don't you guys give a little lowdown on Musky Mayhem Tackle? Well, we're the originators of the uh, flash bubic bladed bucktails, if you will, the non-bucktail, if it sounds probably better. You know, we, we have a variety of a ton of different blade baits, as well as the Big Daddy, which we haven't done a lot of lately. It's a wood bait, jerk bait that uh, we also own. And uh, yeah, you can check us out. You can check us out on YouTube. We have a YouTube channel, subscribe, as we continue to put out more content. Um, Hopefully after this summer, we'll have a bunch of new content. So other than that, you can check us out on social media, both on Facebook as well as Instagram. And we'd love to hear from you. We appreciate our customers and looking forward to a new whole, whole new season. A whole new season's right. Just because we don't have a guest tonight, we don't have a guest today. We were, like I said, I was busy, Brad was busy, or maybe they weren't busy and they just didn't talk to me. I didn't talk to you guys that much last week. I was actually trying to get things taken care of. We got a family wedding coming up in this week, and that's been kind of stressful for my wife, so I've tried to handle things the best I can. You had the Northern Wisconsin opener. Jeff, why don't we talk about that song? Oh, yeah, we'll get there for sure. That was... <laughs> well, we can get there right now, I guess, since he brought it up. All right, so Wisconsin, Northern Wisconsin Muskie opener opened up on Saturday. That was just a few days ago. And quite honestly, I have never, ever seen that many people in the Northwoods before the entire time I've gone up there. Every single lake that I went to was busy. Every single boat launch that I went to was packed. And there was people all over. Now, I'm not saying they're all musky fishing. I'm just saying there was people out in droves. It was crazy. It looked like the 4th of July pretty much everywhere, maybe even worse. And so that was just unexpected, I guess. Typically in northern Wisconsin for musky opener, I can go to a couple lakes and I can literally be the only boat in the boat launch. And that was far from the case this year. I went, let's see, I probably went like 20 minutes north, about a half an hour north of Pelican Lake. I have a camper and a campground at Pelican Lake for people that listen. It's that's they know, like they've heard it before. So that's typically where I hang out most of my time. And then I just sort of, branch out from there within an hour and i kind of hit all those oneida vilas county lakes but anyways i went to a particular lake i couldn't even find a place to park there was parking like the parking spots were all full down the road was full and i'm like forget it i hit up a smaller lake that i've hit up plenty plenty of times before i've never seen more than one boat the boat launched there i found a place to park at least but there was still five five rigs in that area parking which it doesn't sound like much for Miltona or wherever, Minnesota, Malax, all those places, St. Clair, doesn't matter, any of those. But for northern Wisconsin, when I show up and I see five people or five rigs in this particular boat launch, I'm like, what in the heck just happened? I know the campground that I stayed in, that place was busy. It was it was something else. Uh, water temperature shot up pretty good. If anybody that paid attention this last weekend knows that, like, so last week, Tuesday, I was fishing south in southern Wisconsin. I had a stocking hat on. The temperature, I didn't get, I didn't take my jacket off all day long, fished with my bibs on. And by Friday, it was already, I don't know, whatever, 
upper 70s to 80. Sunday was pretty warm in northern Wisconsin. Water temperatures I saw varied from 65 on the bigger clear lakes to I was fishing a smaller, darker lake in the afternoon. And I saw like 74 in the northern bay. Now, granted, the sun had shined all day long. It was relatively calm in that bay based on the way the wind was kicking. So it didn't surprise me a lot that it would be that warm. But it did surprise me a little bit based off of what we had seen because, man, it was it had been cold, cold previous to that. So that's kind of my experience. I managed to put two muskies in the boat with uh, in the time that I fished by myself. And honestly, the muskies that I caught probably could have just about used that bump board that Carrie gave me as a gift, that little uh, bluegill bump board. It would have probably, I would have had, I would have had to go past the bump board, but not a lot. So I guess kind of uneventful that way, but it was still good. It was just good to get out fishing. It's, um, it's that time of year. It's time to, you know, put things to use and get out there and get after it. I would agree, Jeff. You know, the, the crazy part is, is that we, uh, we've been out fishing the last two weeks as well. Um, or at least a good solid week, I should say, for panfish, for some walleyes and what have you. We're experiencing the same thing here, and I think Carrie can kind of highlight what that really means. I'm looking at an article from the Star Tribune on May 8th. It says, in the state of Minnesota, license sales as of Wednesday, so whatever that would have been, that was the 6th probably, are up 44%. That's 362,000 licenses above what they were last year. I'm going to guess by now they've probably jumped even higher. And so I think, you know, honestly, Jeff, that might be kind of a theme for this summer. I mean, if you think about it, what else do people do? They can either go golfing or they can go fishing as a, as a party, if you will. Here in Minnesota, the restaurants still aren't open, so we have that factor. Um, you know, all the county fairs are canceled, racing's canceled. I mean, everything is pretty much on the back burner at this point. So, obviously, we're seeing a spike in the activity that people can do, and that's fishing. Yeah, which in some cases is probably good. I mean, it's good. It's been one of those things where I think, I don't know, maybe the youth as a whole hasn't experienced fishing as much because they've been preoccupied with whatever. They'd rather go to the Wisconsin Dells than go to northern northern wisconsin fishing well in this case or i'm a, oh, what's that or soccer. they might have had baseball they might have had soccer they might have had whatever and it's all canceled now yep exactly i mean you can't go to a ball game you can't go to a carnival affair a picnic or whatever you pretty much have to go to the water and they've been going to the water from what i can tell it was it was crazy i'm i'm curious to see how this affects fishing pressure, catch rates, you know, whatever for me personally, I don't know. I don't know what type of impact it's going to have. I know that there's less secrets probably in the Northwoods right now than what there was before. Like I said, it was just, I was surprised to see it. I mean, quite honestly, but whatever, it's fine. I just hope that I don't, and the thing is, I don't know that it increased the musky pressure, pressure a whole ton. I didn't, I didn't see a ton of anglers fishing for muskies where I was. I know that uh, I've seen and heard a couple things about anglers, you know, pan fishing and whatever, and there's people that are concerned about people keeping too many panfish. So I guess if you're out there doing that, it'd be something that you'd want to maybe be mindful of because if there's that many more anglers out there, there's going to be that many more fish coming out of the lakes. And yes, they're a renewable resource, but they're not, you know, it's not like you can take tons and tons of fish out of a lake and not have it have some impact. I would agree with that, Jeff. I think some of the other issues that we're going to probably see is um, issues at boat accesses as far as parking and people trying to get their boats on their trailer or even try to get them off. We experienced that this weekend. Um, Three younger guys never had been there before trying to start the motor. Motor wouldn't start. The rope broke on the uh, winch. I felt really bad for them, but, you know, then you got boats behind them that are waiting in line, and it just becomes a really big mess. So, you know, boater etiquette, not only on the water, but also on shore at the accesses can be uh, really important. 
And, and you got to remember that we're all in the same boat, so you might have to, you know, use a little extra patience with people because there are there is going to be a lot of, you know, people who haven't done it forever or, or rookies that have never done it. So, you know, maybe, maybe just be nice and be patient because we all know that it sucks when you know you can jump in in about 30 seconds and be out on the water in five minutes and you're waiting in line for 25 minutes. Yeah, I can't argue with any of that. It's been, I got to see it a little bit. Like I said, the first launch I went to, or one of the launches I went to, that was uh, that was something else. I'd never seen that before. So I didn't get to see any experiences like that with people um, putting in. I got to see a couple guys trying to take a boat out, and that thing was like half on the trailer, half off the trailer. And since there was only one spot to get in and out, I didn't have any choice. I just waited it out. It was fine. I didn't get mad. I just picked up my stuff and cleaned up my stuff because, quite honestly, where the launch was, it's in a very like a woodsy area my gosh the mosquitoes were just horrendous on a couple on sunday i didn't i can't say i noticed them much on saturday when i was up but they were terrible so i just packed up all my gear right there on the water just to you know put my cameras and stuff away and took care of that just so that i could uh not have to get eaten alive when i got off the lake so like you said just exercise some patience if you're out there this year there's certainly going to be some new faces on the water, which, I mean, I guess maybe that's helping with sales of fishing rods and line and all sorts of stuff within the, uh, within the, the whole must not even musky world. I'm just talking fishing world in general. Maybe it's a good, maybe it's a good thing for fishing in general. I can't argue that at all, Jeff. I think that this will probably, well, there's going to be some frustration and frustrated people out there because of some of the experiences, like I just mentioned, um, they never even made it into the water. They couldn't figure out how to start the motor. But um, and the backside of that, there's going to be a lot of people that find out, hey, man, I, I miss this fishing, or, hey, you know, I, I really enjoy fishing. And I think we're going to start seeing a little bit of a growth pattern from this. Yeah, I think you're, I mean, I, assuming people go out and have some success, I think you're absolutely right. Maybe, maybe it'll be a you know, I don't want to say like a blessing, but maybe it, maybe it'll be a really good thing for the fishing industry in general. You know, boat sales and fishing sales and all that stuff will go up because you know if people are working and they're they still have money, they're not they're not spending it at a sporting event. They're not buying fifteen dollar beers or any of that stuff right now. So they might as well just buy twenty dollar musky lures, right? Well, let's hope so. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think you know honestly, I it'd be interesting to see the the stats on where fishing was going previous to this year. Maybe you can check for that, Gary, and see what sales were last year on licenses and see if it was kind of in a downward trend or if it was just staying steady. Those kind of numbers would be interesting to actually see. Well, we'll let uh, Carrie check out some stats while she's digging that up, Brad. Let's talk a little bit about fishing. So my game plan this year after all these podcasts that we've done over the course of the off season really had me thinking about how I approach things and so I played around with some newer tactics I pretended like I was in Ohio and on for a couple hours anyways and I played with speed trolling speed trolling for me though this is this is coming from me like typically in the spring like this if I was going to troll I wouldn't be trolling above three miles an hour especially because I'm certain that surface temperatures might be warm but everybody knows that if you get a if we got some big wind or you know whatever something to turn up that water column that it's only surface temperatures i guarantee that and so i i pretended like i was from ohio i did a little bit of speed trolling in the shallows like you know super shallow like the guys were talking like where there's almost zero on the line counter you can see the bait right next to the boat. So that was pretty cool. I stood up and I watched it. it. Nothing happened. I didn't have any success doing it. But it was just um, a new tactic for me to play around with. I I typically don't twitch um, crankbaits a ton either. I played around with that a little bit too. Pike love them. So I guess that was good. Just, you know, for me, it was good. To, I, I, I had a good time on the water. And I, I had a really good time just playing around with different stuff on I'm going to try to do more of that this year. Well, I think it's really cool that you're, you know, you're trying those different tactics, Jeff, because ultimately um, that can be just as good a time on the water as it is catching fish. You know, you're learning something new 
And I think anytime you can learn on the water, that's a good thing. Well, I mean, don't get me wrong. The fish that I caught was doing what I would normally do. I was throwing smaller baits shallow. I don't typically go deep basin trolling like you do, especially because I don't know that that, I don't know that that bite would have been there right now. Like I said, I mean, we're talking one week, how much difference the water temperature was. I just assume that just because the water, the surface temperature was telling me what the fish should be doing and where they should be. I didn't feel like that was accurate. I felt like, you know, had I been there four days earlier, the fish would have been up shallow spawning. And I'm certain that's probably what they were doing. And I'm, I'm certain you're going to see that bite probably for the next two weeks. Cause I would imagine that, like I said, surface temperatures probably last week, Tuesday up in Northern Wisconsin, we're probably in the mid fifties, maybe I'm guessing, Brad, what have you been seeing on the water for water temps? So we're upper fifties into the 60 degree mark. So, you know, I would agree with you that, you know, basically that water temp, you're talking surface at this point in the year, you know, I haven't ran any temp probes down to see what's going on, but keep in mind, I mean, for the spawning side of things, you know, you get into that mid fifties range there and they're going to start going through the motions and they're where they're normally spawning. That water is probably warmer than it would be, you know, in a 20 foot break or something like that. So by rights, we're sitting pretty good to hopefully have all of that cleaned up before musky opener over here in Minnesota. Yeah, I was sitting, I, w- I went to work this morning, had a little bit of work to do, to do before we did this podcast. So I was sitting there thinking about uh, last year. Now, I know you don't probably necessarily go over there, Brad, but do you think that, like I know last year there was a really good early season shallow bite on Malax, And I was just thinking to myself, do you think that bite's still going to be there this year? Or with the temperatures and everything that we got going on, do you think that's going to be over and done with by the time your season opens. You know, that bite kind of lasted probably two weeks into our season last year. And I would say that we're probably a week to two weeks ahead of schedule right now. You know, and that's just what my gut's saying at this point. I haven't really went out to go look and see, but I know some different friends of mine have seen some fish over there going through the motions, and that was a good solid week ago, if not more. So I'm going to guess that that bite is not going to be as predominant as it was like, say, last year. Yeah, because I know last year, man, when did I come up and visit you? It must have been two weeks into the season, and I think that was still just at the tail end of it when I was up to visit you guys. Correct. You're right. I mean, it's no secret that you like to play around in the open water for your early season. Do you think that bite is going to be where it should be? Because I know last year you had told me that it wasn't. So do you think that, based off what I see for the next two weeks, that you're going to be that that's a viable bite for you opener? You know, it's amazing. You can always catch a couple males, a smaller fish out in the deep water right from the start, you know. Every year's different, and I would say, again, you know, I said a week to two weeks ahead of schedule. I'm going to guess that that open water bite will be a week or two early as well. So that might mean it ends a little bit early in June as well. So it's really, it's always tough when you start putting together, you know, dates in the book and, hey, I'm going to bring these clients, these clients, they can't cast, so we're going to do this trolling thing, so on and so forth. Well, you schedule them according to what you've seen over the past two to three years, and Mother Nature always has a way of kind of uh, putting a little grip into you and and changing things up. And I'm a little bit concerned that it's probably going to start earlier and end earlier. Well, hopefully for your sake, you guys get to get out and capitalize on it for at least a little bit. I mean, because, you know, from the time that this one goes out, it'll be a week and a half to the Minnesota opener. It's hard to believe that, you know, Minnesota's right there on the corner and Canada's right there on the corner. I just, going going through everything from the end of last season into November, you know, into now, it just seems how, how quick it went. I, it's hard to almost believe that it's here already. I would concur with that completely. You know, I... Being out fishing bluegills the last week or so, we it's crazy. I mean, we went out on Miltona. We've been out on a couple other bodies of water. We're not seeing the wheat growth like we should be at this time of the year. So, you know, I say that, but here's the deal. We're still basically two weeks away, a week and a half. So, you know, a lot of things can change. Those weeds will start coming out pretty quick if we get some good sunlight. And we really, it's been kind of a dreary pattern over here, but we've not gotten much rain. We finally got a little bit today. 
we just need some sun and, and some heat. And that was kind of starting to come true. And now we're getting rain, which we needed bad. So I'm not going to complain whatsoever. But uh, those weeds will start shooting up here in the next couple weeks. Yeah, for weed growth, for me, I, the most, I mean, the stuff I was snagging was, you know, brown and appeared to be, I'm assuming, dead stuff from last year. So weed growth, there was a few spots I saw in the clearer bodies of water. There was some weeds starting to come up. So we're, we're slowly getting there, but certainly not the conditions that you were hoping for, especially because, like I said, some people are going to get out there and they're going to go strictly off water temperatures. And I think the water temperatures right now are a little bit mis- misleading. Kind of agree with that as well, Jeff. And the other thing that I find pretty interesting is our water is really dirty right now. And normally we're crystal clear, like 20, 30 foot, foot vision, you know? So I'm not really sure what that's all about. I do know there's a ton and ton of pollen in the air. So I think some of that's happening too. Our oak trees are finally truly blooming and growing leaves. But there was so much pollen in the air here the last couple of weeks. It was insane. So shifting gears a little bit though, Brad, it looked like the Green Bay bite was potentially kind of good in some cases. I think I've seen some decent muskies caught out of there. I know I saw a bunch of them that were really beat up, so they're obviously going through the spawning deal right now. I'm curious to know how long that'll last because sometimes if this you get that really fast warm-up on this, those muskies will plow through spawning cycle and they'll, hit, they'll head out of the river really quick, so I'll be curious to know how that goes. But I also, not only just the river part, but I know there's opportunities elsewhere on the bay for guys that are looking to get out. I know I've seen pictures from numerous friends that they weren't in the Fox River fishing either. So it looks like, uh, like I said, I mean, it's just exciting time to be back out chasing muskies. It was it was good to just get on the water. And I'm anxious to see, you know, how the, how everything progresses right now. I'm anxious to see how the, the pressure, fishing pressure progresses, but I'm also anxious to see just how you know, weather and everything keeps everything going and how quick weed growth gets going and what the water temperatures when they finally do stabilize a little bit so you can kind of get back into those good early June patterns because June can be a really good time to chase muskies. Yeah, June is definitely a favorite time for me. I, I You know, if I, if I had one month to pick, it'd probably be September. Generally speaking, June can be one of them top months as well. And it's always exciting with the new season and I think you kind of hit the water gung-ho and you uh, you might fish harder maybe when it's fresh and early in the season. Anyway, you know, with that being said, you know, talking about Green Bay, it's really interesting. I mean, depending on who you talk to over there, some guys are saying, oh, we lost a lot of fish. They're already done. They went out to the main lake. The next guy's saying, no, the river's great yet. But I, I understand that that water level on the Fox was really, really high. That's the same thing that I had heard, too. But, I mean, like I said, I think I talked to you when you were talking about how you guys needed the rain. This was previous to us talk, um, recording. I said that we didn't really need it because last weekend we had gotten a bunch of rain. So I'm assuming that's why, you know, all the water all, all the water levels in the Fox were high, which, you know, they always say Mother Nature protects their own. So maybe that was, maybe that was her deal with protecting those muskies because angling pressure, you want to talk about pressure. Those fish in the Fox River see more pressure probably than any other place ever for the first two weeks of the season. That's interesting. I, I've never done it myself, but I've always heard about it, so it's pretty wild. I think Carrie maybe found some uh, some more stats on licenses here for Minnesota anyway. So Minnesota last year sold 1,100,256 licenses. That is a fairly consistent number between 1 million and 1.2 million over the last 20 years. So, you know, if you add another 360,000 licenses to that, that that, um, makes a big difference. What's really cool, though, is if you look at these stats from this year to last year, people ages 16 to 17 is up 100%. So you're getting you're getting a fair amount of younger people fishing this year, which is which is always good. Yeah, I love to see that. Let's get them hooked. You know what I mean? Let's get them hooked and make them fishermen for the future. Let's get them hooked on bass so they don't ruin the rest of their lives chasing these stupid fish. Well, there is a that's a valid point right there, Jeff. I mean, you think about it. Um, 
the musky side of things is kind of a sickness. There's a lot of us out there. I know that all our listeners are probably musky people, so there might be a few bluegill listeners just because Carrie's on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a couple of bluegills. They're hoping they pick up on some tips on how to put early season bluegills in the little basket thing. Is that where you keep them in, or do you put them on a stringer? I don't know. Uh, we we have what we call a dead well. It's a cooler. Uh, so we put ice in because Brad has this really nice, expensive bowl with a big, giant live well that he never uses. He is anti-live well. So if we're going to keep fish, which we we keep a few bluegills here and there because him and Mika like to eat them. But um, we don't we don't really keep too many fish. Even if we go walleye fishing, we don't we don't really keep any fish. So we just use the, the dead well, the cooler with some ice and water in it. I couldn't even tell you the last time I kept a fish of any species. Well, no, that's not true. Last year I kept some. We went up fishing with Steve Jensen, and we were doing a little filming for YouTube stuff. And all I could catch was pike all day long. And Steve said to me, "He's like, man, there's so many pike in this in this uh, lake that we're in. We should really keep a few of these." So after we released like four of them, then we just started stacking up the live well. I probably put eight of them in the live well that afternoon. So that's the last time we ate them up for it. You know, it was good because Steve didn't have to feed me that night. He just just like he just filleted those northerns up. And if you know how to get rid of the Y bone on a northern man, those things are delicious. I'll argue they're as good as any walleye I've ever eaten. Yeah, I, I like eating pike as well. I prefer bluegills probably over anything as far as on the table. Maybe perch are right up there as well. But I've got something to share. We, Carrie, my birthday's coming up, so Carrie bought me something that I've wanted for a couple of years now. It's called the, the frying disc. And basically, that thing is sweet. I don't know if you've seen one, Jeff, but if you fry any fish or any other type of food that you would normally fry, this thing is slick. It's got a little, the cooking area in the center of this disc, and then the disc is, how would you explain it, Carrie? It's like a... A flat cowboy hat, if you will, upside down. So the fryer is in the in the the portion there, and then you just put the stuff on the edge, and all the oil runs back in, so the oil comes off of whatever you're cooking. But they are awesome. So if you guys are fish eaters, check it out. The frying disc. I'll have to check that out. Hey, speaking of speaking of pimping products, not that we get anything from the frying disc, but anyways. Um, so over the over the course of the winter, you guys got me that uh, Aqua Traction mat, the one with the TRO logo on there, and I used it for the first time over the weekend. And I can tell you, so I went Tuesday with a buddy of mine, and man, my like it just felt like everything on me hurt. And maybe it was just because it was the first time out, and that was rough on me. But I went out over, you know, I probably spent, I think probably maybe eleven hours on the water on Sunday. I'm guessing. And most of it was standing up casting. That thing was awesome. I was a big fan of the Aqua Traction mat. So if anybody's looking for that, or looking to, you know, if you got back issues or whatever, gosh, I would check that stuff out. And Aqua Traction's not paying me to to tell you that. I actually really did like the product. I was, I was pretty sweet. It's incredible stuff. I do have it in our John boat, and <laughs> I I can't tell you how much nicer it is than carpet. At the end of the day. It doesn't get hot. It doesn't get really cold. If you're fishing late in the fall and you got that ice splash build up inside your boat or whatever it might be, I use that big John boat for duck hunting as well. So there's a lot of times water on the floor. And, you know, on a carpeted boat, it's going to turn to ice and it gets slippery where you step on this and it just kind of breaks the ice. So you still have good traction. Um, But those anti-fatigue mats that they make, or they call them helm pads, I think, on their website, they are absolutely incredible. They have like a foam backer on that Aqua Traction product and definitely what I would call the true anti-fatigue mat. So super cool. We do have a couple here that we were going to bring to the Minnesota show, and unfortunately that didn't happen. So I don't know. Carrie hasn't gotten them listed yet, but uh, we definitely were going to put them up because definitely a product I believe in. Yeah. I mean, mine's just probably like, whatever it is, three foot by two foot. I just set it on, like I have carpet in, in my boat. So I just set it on the front deck and stood on that thing. And I was impressed. I got to tell you, like it, I was, I was glad to have it by the end of the day. Like I felt fine. I mean, I fished 
fine and felt fine all day long. So anybody that's looking to learn more about it, not to try to pimp our podcast and pimp too many products because that's just not something that we usually try to do. But go check out. We did a podcast. I'm guessing it was, I don't know, probably, what do you think, Carrie, episode 40-ish, the one we did with Josh? Yeah, that's what I'm guessing. It was sometime last fall, so so probably somewhere in, around 40, yeah. Yeah, so if anybody's looking to learn about aqua traction and what we're talking about, check out that episode with uh, Josh Clymer from Aqua Traction. I want to say it's you know roughly episode 40, but I don't know the exact number. It was sometime, it was it was a ways back. I don't remember if it was November, December, early January. I can't remember. It's been, it was a long but fast winter, if that makes any sense. That makes a lot of sense. It, it's, I don't know, when it's there and you're in the middle of it, you feel like it's dragging out, but if you stay busy and you keep going forward, you know, it goes pretty darn quick. I don't know. These years just keep flying by. That's a fact. You know, hopefully we can uh, we can keep flying by with more pod- podcasts throughout the year. We can, like I said, I, I don't want to, you know, we kind of touched on it briefly last year, last week about the one year, but that one year went really quick. It was seemed like just yesterday that we started these podcasts and hopefully we got better. I don't know if... Uh, I don't know if we are are getting better or not, but hopefully we are, and hopefully the listeners think that we're getting better. I'd like to think that things are improved from from the early podcasts. I remember I listened to episode one or two when I was putting it up on YouTube, and ooh, brother, that needed some work. Well, you got to start somewhere, Jeff, and I think I think we're doing okay. Maybe it's our guests that we bring on, and I I'd like to say this. I mean, we have a couple more heavy hitters coming back on which uh, probably haven't been heard of for a couple of years. And I think, I think some of that will help too. Yeah. This is like the calm before the storm, before we get serious again. Is that kind of what we're going to call this, Brad? Yeah, let's do it. I mean, it's been a year and I think we've, we've got a few tricks up our sleeve. I'd like to think that we have a couple. Yeah. Things look like they're going to come together. If it's not in the next week or two, it for sure won't be much after that. And we'll have, We'll have a couple surprises, like you said, people that, I don't know how to say them exactly. I guess you could almost say legends that haven't been heard from in a while. Is that what you'd say, Brad? Yeah, for sure. You know, I, we've had some uh, some really good guests here in the past. You know, and I want to continue that. I think it's important, and some of it is maybe my history side of things. I, I like some of the history of this sport as well. So some of these people, you know, maybe they're not fishing like they once did, or at least not out in the public eye. And I think uh, there's going to be a lot of people that are surprised to hear from some of them. Yeah, hundred percent agree. It's going to be, it'll be cool. Like I'm looking forward to just having the conversations. Unfortunately, it's probably going to get me trying new and different tactics because I mean, you know, these the people here, the people that listen to the podcast, they kind of, you know, they're trying to get information to help, help them catch muskies. Well, I'm, doing the same thing because sometimes like I've said it a bazillion times on the podcast I get guilty of doing the same thing that's why Saturday I spent a couple hours playing around with you know early season shallow water trolling I figured there'd be some muskies up there and yeah like I said it didn't work but it won't stop me from playing around a little bit more I wish I had it in me to go do a little that open water trolling that you know that you do Brad but maybe I'll wait a couple weeks and I'm gonna give that a run too because well, just like I said, I'm just trying to catch muskies in a different way. Might not be the most successful season, but uh, you even learn from your failures. You learn from your successes. Everything you do, you just kind of put in the memory bank, and you go, "Okay, that didn't work." But maybe you know, obviously, it, just because it didn't work in two hours doesn't mean that it doesn't have a time and place. And I just don't see people out there doing that kind of stuff all the time. So, just trying to be out, you know, look out. You're just trying to, uh, you know, go outside my comfort zone a little bit and try something new for the season. And I guess I urge everybody to play around with that a little bit. So, you know, really, Jeff, you're right. And here's the deal. Okay, you tried some of this new stuff right from the start. Guess what? Come back to it, you know, because here's the thing. I mean, you, you try things when you don't know if the fish are biting. Make sure you try things when you know the fish are biting. That's when a lot of times you're going to start putting together a pattern as well. So just something to think about. And I think it's really important us as anglers, if you haven't done some of these different tactics, get out there and experiment, and it might end up putting a bunch more fish in your boat. 
Well, the other thing too is, is if there, since there is an excessive amount of anglers this year, which is, you know, it's a good problem, but it's going to be a problem at sometimes when you can't get on the spot where you want to be, where you can't do the same thing that you that you normally do. It might be a good time to experiment with some of that other stuff that you've never done before. Well, I can tell you this: on Saturday, I didn't know if the fish were or they weren't biting, but I figured. It was gonna give me. It was gonna be twofold by doing a little bit of trolling. I could see weed growth. I could see this. I could see that. Potentially, I could put a fish in the boat while I was doing that. But like you said, Brad, I mean, it's just something to try. And like you said, don't just try it when the fish aren't biting, because then you're gonna be like, oh, that doesn't work. And it didn't work for me for you know two hours or whatever. I played around with it, but that doesn't mean I won't go back to it. Quite honestly, I wish I had more time this week to go and make another run at it and spend six hours doing it or four hours doing it, you know, half my time and just see what happens. Cause I know I just have a feeling that certain things that happen over in like the East coast could potentially happen over here. I just don't know. Like muskies are muskies are muskies. I keep hearing it all the time. And I just, I just wonder about some of that stuff that nobody does all the time. You know, I think that Wisconsin and Minnesota guys, we just get stuck in a rut almost. I mean, it works. I'm not saying it doesn't. I'm just saying that's, stuff that we should play around with a little bit more. Well, the difference can be one fish in the boat a day or three fish in the boat, you know? So you got to look at it that way too. And the other thing that I would tell people is no matter what, no matter what body of water you're on, somebody somewhere is probably catching fish. And generally that might be a different tactic or a different, different bait, if you will. But the thing is, don't, get stuck just doing the same thing over and over and over again and it's not working make some sort of a change that's for sure yeah like i've said it before on other podcasts that's the one thing i always liked about tournament fishing is like with tournament fishing you could always go and the results didn't lie so you know you could hear how they caught fish what what they did to put fish in the boat and you'd learn based off of that type of stuff. It'd open your eyes to certain ways that people were catching fish during a tournament that, you know, would help out too. So like just, you know, we've said it before on the podcast, just never stop learning. I'm with you, Jeff. That's part of this whole gig. I don't care what kind of fishing it is. So it's important. So Jeff, there's one last thing maybe we should touch on. So I know it was Thursday or Friday, you gave me a jingle and the last podcast we had Matt Cook on, I believe it was the last one, correct? Uh, yes, that was the last one, correct. All right. Well, he brought up the Fish Smart app that Humminbird has that you can put on a smartphone and how easy it is to actually download your updates from your phone right to your unit in the boat, whether it be a Helix or a Solix unit. Why don't you uh, kind of tell us how that went for you, Jeff? Well... <laughs> <laughs> um, no swearing. It quite honestly, it did not go that well. I think I was actually fairly angry about it. Not like where I'm gonna start throwing things, but if I was the type of person that wanted to start throwing things, I probably would have. So I download the app. All right, all good, no problem. Then I go to connect. I go to you know, like it says how to how to Bluetooth it. it the app's fairly easy to use as far as that's concerned. So I get the unit hooked up on. You know, like so that it says that my phone is connected to my unit and, and vice versa. So I can tell everything should be working. I go to like my units or whatever on the Hummingbird Smart app and I cannot get this stupid thing to to show up my unit so that I could update it. So I played around with that thing for, I don't know, way too long. Had phone calls to Brad. Half the reason I didn't go up north on Friday night was because that thing was, I don't want to say that was the only reason because there's other reasons, but... It just took me way too long to play around with it. So what I found out later on is that if you're too far out of update, then it, you can't use the smartphone app. So what you need to do is you need to go and you need to update it the old school way. Plug an SD card into your, into your computer, download the file, drag the file into your SD card, for me, I had to unzip it, which was just basically click the file or whatever, which is pretty easy. I mean, I'm not the most technically savvy dude out there, so if I can figure it out, other guys can figure it out. And then you stick that in into your memory or into your unit, but you have to restore default settings too. Everything I know, by the way, is 
I didn't learn it based off of just trial and error. You can go watch YouTube videos on how to do it. And so but you got to restart the default settings. Once you restart the default settings, you plug that thing in. It'll say, would you like to update to whatever? You hit yes. And then once you finally do that, you can use the smartphone app to update your stuff. But had had I known that sooner, that would have been very helpful. I did not know that sooner. I can't say that the updates made my fishing any better because... Quite honestly, I could have caught the muskies that I caught this weekend without any electronics at all. I basically was running, you know, a cast to a cast and a half off of shore in super shallow water. And so that's where I was fishing. Whether that was right or wrong, I don't know. But anyways, the fish that I caught had nothing to do with my updates or my hummingbird unit. But for anybody looking to update their hummingbird unit, just see how far back you are. If you haven't updated it since the very beginning, you might want to skip the frustration of the app, go straight to the old school technique with the SD card, download it that way. Then you can, once I did that, then I was able to hook my units in and find them all like I should. So hopefully the next time I can use the smartphone app. So hopefully that helps anybody have avoid some frustration because, well, Brad, you got to hear about it. Well, I got to hear about it not only from you, but I heard about it from somebody that had listened as well. A buddy of mine called me and was struggling as well. But uh, after working through all the issues with you, Jeff, I, I had answers for him. So it worked really good then. Hopefully people can learn from my issues on this one too. Like, cause, like I said, I thought... So you, you, gotta, you have to update them uh, more than every 8 to 10 years, Jeff. Well, I mean, <laughs> I can't argue with that. Like, I... I think they were on like version 2 point, I don't know, 4 or something, whatever. And I was on like 1.3 something or 1.4 something. So, yeah, I was I was definitely out of compliance. I had never updated my units, quite honestly. I didn't even think about it until, until Matt said, hey, you know, something you should do for the upcoming season to update your units. I was like, yeah, you know, I should probably try that once in a while. So I did, and he talks about the smartphone app. I thought, oh, heck, I can I can work an app. I mean, if I can you know, download or upload a podcast, I can get this stupid app to work, right? <laughs> nope, I'm not that good. Uh, you, you've got it dialed in now. That's all that matters. Yep, I'm good to go. So hopefully it helps helps me this year. But like I said, the the fishing I did this, this past weekend, I, I could have done it old school style with nothing. I could have went out there with no electronics. It's not as much fun, but I could have done it. Yeah, it's not always the most important thing. But it definitely uh, will help you at different times, that's for sure. Yeah, for sure. It helped us yesterday with the walleyes. And sometimes it's a little bit frustrating. You're seeing all these walleyes down there, and they don't want to eat. So you never know. One thing I did learn, though, is I played with that dynamic uh, contrast feature that they have. Yep. And I I do like that. I think uh, it definitely is going to help me in the open water. I haven't had it out in the deep water yet, but that's something to check out. You can turn that on and off. So take a look at that. I'll have to play with that. Like I said, when I was casting, I had it on. I had my units on. I played around. I looked at them, but they weren't super helpful. I mean, a little bit. But I when I was trolling, when I was doing that little shallow water trolling stuff, I didn't play at all because I literally stood up almost like I was casting. And I just watched my bait in the water. I was running a crankbait that was, I don't know, it was probably only a foot or two feet down. It might maybe was, it was a little, I had a nine foot rod, so it was a little outside the boat. It wasn't like prop wash style, but I was just watching that thing. I figured it was going to be the most glorious sight ever if a fish came up and just smashed that crankbait right there. I was going to be able to see the entire strike, which had been freaking awesome. Yeah, that's the amazing part. It's so cool when you see a follow on there. Some of those shadow pictures that you see out there, super incredible as well. Well, Brad and Carrie, I think, um, I don't know, I got enough rambling out of today. This podcast wasn't ridiculously informative. Hopefully you didn't mind us kind of just shooting the breeze a little bit, but things had been a little hectic. And with the short week and us needing to get something out, figured you'd update us on success in northern wisconsin hopefully you guys all had success in northern wisconsin southern wisconsin i don't care where you're fishing hopefully you're catching fish and if you could or if you wanted to and you went and you caught something uh send you know post a post a picture to us on instagram or facebook or whatever let's see what you caught tag us or you know whatever whatever the young kids are doing on instagram these 
these days, Brad. You probably know Instagram better than I do. You're like a master. I don't know if I'm a master, but I started in December. I'm getting a few people to follow, so it's a good thing. Yeah, I think I even follow you. Except for I'm still trying to figure out why every fish you catch is at White Castle, but whatever. Well, it's got to be somewhere. You know, you can't give away every secret. (laughs) Or none of the secrets. I'll give you none of the secrets. I don't have any secrets, so it doesn't matter. (laughs) I'm not that secretive either. But I, you know, one of them things, it's so funny, especially during the season. You know, I generally don't post any pictures of fish that I'm catching throughout the season. But uh, maybe I will this year a little bit. But, you know, I... People chase the bite, and usually if you're seeing a picture on a certain body of water and you get there within the next week, it's probably too late. <laughs> so, you know, those those picture chasers, I, I don't know. Find them on your own. Try to figure it out. That's my opinion, but that's, uh, that's the way I've always done it. A lot of times these guys don't post these pictures until a week, two weeks, three weeks later, and guys are like, oh, my God, they're going on whatever the body of water is. And by the time they get there, the bite's totally different. So, anyway, it is what it is. Well, I can post the pictures of the muskies that I caught one of these days, and you guys can chase that bite all you want. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> <laughs> Don't uh, beat yourself up. Hey, man, you got two in the boat. Well, I'll take it. But like I said, they were closer to using the bluegill board than they were the muskie board. I didn't, I didn't measure them, nothing. I pulled them out, shot, put them in front of a camera quick, and went on with my life. But... Yeah, if you want to chase that bite down, you can. If you're into 27, 28, 30-inch muskies, I got a hot bite for you. It's killer. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that bite's going to change. Yeah, it is, and I suspect it'll change rapidly, actually. I would think with the, like I said, rising water temperatures that things are going to change, you know, daily to weekly to whatever right now. I know that some guys I know are on really good bites, and other guys I know are you know, just on all right bites, but it sounds like it's been, you know, there's fish to be had. I'm not one of them that had, you know, a really, I, w- I wouldn't say it was a bad opener at all. Cause anytime I put a muskie of any type in a boat, I'm happy. So it's fine. Whatever. It was a jumping off point. Started like just exactly like last season. I had a, like a 27 incher was the first one I got last year. And that was probably about the exact same size I got this year. So hopefully that's, you know, a sign of things to come. I mean, if my season turned out like it did last year, last year wasn't horrible. I had to work hard for every bite I got, but we caught muskies. So I guess, it, you know, if it's the same as last year, it's not terrible. No, you guys had a decent season last year. And I know most of your fish that you did catch, you put on film. So that's huge too. Yeah. At this point, I still got fish from last year <laughs> to put out on YouTube that I haven't done yet. I don't know. I don't even know what my YouTube, like I usually try to be super consistent with YouTube stuff. It's like every, I don't I think we did Sunday nights last year. I don't, I don't even know what my YouTube deal is going to be like this year. I don't know if it'll be Sundays, Mondays, Wednesdays. I don't know if it'll be every other week, every week. I don't know. I guess you'll just have to subscribe to my YouTube channel. And if there's new content, that'll notify you. Cause like I said, I don't know what my deal is yet. It's been hard to be, it's been hard to be super consistent with everything, Brad. You know that. I mean, between, you know, trying to keep my wife happy, trying to keep my four kids happy, try to run the electrical business and the bait business, which uh, both are fairly busy yet, and then to try to put out a podcast weekly and to try to go film and edit a YouTube video weekly because I don't hire any of that stuff out. I do all of it. It's been super difficult. So. I, I don't know, YouTube-wise, check out Team Rhino Outdoors on YouTube. Hopefully, I'll figure something out this year and decide where I'm going, which direction I'm going. Like I said, I always tried to be super consistent. As of last fall, I fell off the map. I It's just been too hard to keep everything all together. Well, you've got a few irons in the fire, Jeff, and as we do too. So, I don't know. It, it's a tough one to manage all that different time. Yeah, well, you know how it is. I mean, between trying to just keep up with just Facebook and Instagram and the people calling, or not calling, but messaging there and, you know, everything there, emails, backlash podcast emails, just everything together. It's just, man, it's just, some days it's overwhelming to keep up with all the different ways that you have information coming at you these days and messages coming at you these days. Speaking of which, I guess I'll just say it. We were, 
If you want to email Backlash Podcast, you can do that, backlashpodcast at gmail.com. If you don't hear from us instantly, that's why. We're slightly overwhelmed over on this side. I'm sure Brad and Carrie are much the same. It's a good thing. It's a good thing to be overwhelmed because that means you got customers and nobody appreciates customers like we both do, Jeff. So it's huge. I, I think uh, it's all good. I, I don't know. I don't know what else to say about that. I agree with you 100%. I wouldn't, I'm not trying to com- sound like I'm complaining. I'm just telling you that's why things are very inconsistent right now is because of that. I choose. I decided to choose podcast consistency versus YouTube consistency. So one, one, or, one or the other was going to have to give a little bit. And hopefully we'll get back on the wagon, like I said, with the YouTube stuff, get it, get it rolling and get things going. But for now, it is what it is. We'll keep doing the best we can. We'll keep putting out podcasts on a regular basis, and hopefully we'll be around for year two. I certainly suspect that we will be, but, you know, maybe guys will get bored with us and stop listening, you know, stop listening to us ramble about dumb stuff for an hour. Well, with that being said, it's been about an hour. I don't know. What are you thinking, Jeff? I'm thinking that uh, it's time to say goodnight on another podcast. We'll see everybody again next week for, I th- I'm assuming we'll have a guest. It'll give us a few days to get a guest rolling. I know that this week's going to be just as tough for me to get a schedule together, but we'll get one together. We'll get things rolling. We'll get back on track. Until then, unless Brad and Carrie have something to add to this episode, thank you for listening to Backlash Podcast. Thanks, everybody, for supporting Team Rhino Outdoors, supporting Muskie Mayhem Tackle, listening to this podcast for a year. Honestly, we can't thank everybody enough. So thank you. We'll see everybody next week. Thanks, guys.